0: Section One of the Underground Railroad, Part Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry. The Underground Railroad, Part Four, by William Still. Section One. Arrival from Bel Air Julia Smith, Wife Mary, and Boy James henry and edward smith and jack christie while this party was very respectable in regard to numbers and enlisted much sympathy still they had no wounds or bruises to exhibit or very hard reports to make relative to their bondage the treatment that had been metered out to them was about as tolerant as slavery could well afford and the physical condition of the passengers bore evidence that they had been used to something better than herring and corn-cake for a diet julius who was successful enough to bring his wife and a boy with him was a wonderful specimen of muscular proportions although a young man of but twenty-five he weighed two hundred and twenty-five pounds he was tall and well formed from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet nor was he all muscled by a great deal he was well balanced as to mother-wit and shrewdness in looking back into the pit from which he had been delivered he could tell a very interesting story of what he had experienced from which it was evidence that he had not been an idle observer of what had passed relative to that peculiar institution especially was it very certain that he had never seen anything lovely or of good report belonging to the system so far as his personal relations were concerned he acknowledged that a man named Mr. Robert Holland had assumed to impose himself upon him as master, and that this same man had also wrongfully claimed all his time, denied him all common and special privileges, besides he had deprived him of an education, etc., which looked badly enough before he left Maryland. But in the light of freedom, and from a free state standpoint, the idea that man's inhumanity to man should assume such gigantic proportions as to cause him to seize his fellow-man and hold him in perpetual bondage was marvelous in the extreme julius had been kept in the dark in maryland but on free soil the light rushed in upon his astonished vision to a degree almost bewildering that his master was a man of means and pretty high standing julius thought was not much to his credit since they were obtained from unpaid labor in his review allusion was made not only to his master but also to his mistress in which he said that she was a quarrelsome and crabbed woman middling stout in order to show a reason why he left as he did he stated that there had been a fuss two or three times previous to the escape and it had been rumored that somebody would have to be sold soon this was what did the mischief so far as the running away was concerned julius's color was nearly jet-black and his speech was very good considering his lack of book-learning his bearing was entirely self-possessed and commendable his wife and boy shared fully in his affections and seemed well pleased to have their faces turned canadaward it is hardly necessary to say more of them here henry was about twenty-three years of age of an active turn, brown skin, and had given the question of freedom his most serious attention, as his actions proved. While he could neither read nor write, he could think. From the manner in which he expressed himself, with regard to Robert Holland, no man in the whole range of his recollections will be longer remembered than he. His enthrallment while under Holland will hardly ever be forgotten. Any being who had thus been deprived of his rights could hardly fail to command sympathy. In cases like this, however, the sight and language of such an one was extremely impressive. Of this party, Edward, a boy of seventeen, called forth much sympathy. He, too, was claimed by Holland. He was of good physical make-up and seemed to value highly the great end he had in view, namely, a residence in Canada. Arrival from Maryland, 1858 john wesley combash jacob taylor and thomas edward skinner the revelations made by these passengers were painful to listen to and would not have been credited if any room had existed for doubt john wesley was thirty-two years of age of a lively turn pleasant countenance dark color and ordinary size in unburdening his mind to the committee the all-absorbing theme related to the manner in which he had been treated as a slave and the character of those who had oppressed him he stated that he had been a victim of a man or party named johnson in whose family john had been a witness to some of the most high-handed phases of barbarism said he these johnsons were notorious for abusing their servants a few years back one of their slaves a coachman was kept on the coach-box one cold night when they were out at a ball until he became almost frozen to death in fact he did die in the infirmary from the effects of the frost about one week afterwards another case was that of a slave-woman in a very delicate state who was one day knocked downstairs by mrs johnson herself and in a few weeks after the poor woman died from the effects of the injury thus received THE DOCTOR WHO ATTENDED THE INJURED CREATURE IN THIS CASE WAS SIMPLY TOLD THAT SHE SLIPPED AND FELL DOWN THE STAIRS AS SHE WAS COMING DOWN. COLORED WITNESSES HAD NO RIGHT TO TESTIFY, AND THE DOCTOR WAS MUTE. CONSEQUENTLY THE GUILTY ESCAPED, WHOLLY UNPUNISHED. ANOTHER CASE, SAID JOHN WESLEY, WAS A LITTLE GIRL, HALF-GROWN, WHO WAS WASHING WINDOWS upstairs ONE DAY, AND UNLUCKILY FELL ASLEEP IN THE WINDOW, AND IN THIS POSITION WAS FOUND BY HER MISTRESS in a rage the mistress hit her a heavy slap knocked her out of the window and she fell to the pavement and died in a few hours from the effects thereof the mistress professed to know nothing about it simply said she went to sleep and fell out herself as usual nothing was done in the way of punishment these were specimens of the inner workings of the peculiar institution john however had not only observed slavery from a domestic standpoint He had also watched master and mistress abroad as visitors and guests in other people's houses, noticed not only how they treated white people, but also how they treated black people. These Johnsons thought that they were first-rate to their servants. When visiting among their friends they were usually very polite, would bow and scrape more than a little, even to colored people, knowing that their names were in bad odor on account of their cruelty, for they had been in the papers twice about how they abused their colored people as to advertising him john gave it as his opinion that they would be ashamed to do it from the fact that they had already rendered themselves more notorious than they had bargained for on account of their cruelty towards their slaves they were wealthy and courted the good opinion of society besides they were members of the presbyterian church and john thought that they were very willing that people should believe that they were great saints on the score of feeding and clothing john gave them credit saying that the clothing was good enough they liked to see the house servants dressed he spoke too of the eating as being all right but added that very often time was not allowed them to finish their meals respecting work john bore witness that they were very sharp with john's intelligence large observation good memory and excellent natural abilities with the amount of detail that he possessed nothing more would have been needed for a thrilling book than the facts and incidents of slave life as he had been conversant with it under the johnsons in maryland as the other two companions of john wesley were advertised in the baltimore sun we avail ourselves of the light thus publicly afforded two thousand dollar reward ran away from the subscriber living on the york turnpike eight miles from baltimore city on sunday april 11th my negro man jacob aged 20 years five feet ten inches high chestnut color spare made good features i will give fifty dollar reward if taken in baltimore city or county and two hundred dollars if taken out of the state and secured in jail so that i get him again william j b Parlett, jacob answering to the description in mr william j b parlett's advertisement gave his views of the man who had enslaved him his statement is here transferred from the record-book my master said jacob was a farmer a very rough man hard to satisfy i never knew of but one man who could ever please him he worked me very hard he wanted to be beating me all the time this was a luxury which jacob had no appetite for consequently he could not resist signifying his unwillingness to yield although resistance had to be made at some personal risk as his master had no more regard for a colored man than he had for a stone under his feet with him the following expression was common the niggers are not worth a d-blank-blank-n nor was his wife any better in jacob's opinion she was a cross woman and as much of a boss as he was she would take a club and with both hands would whack away as long as you could stand it she was a large homely woman they were common white people with no reputation in the community substantially this was jacob's unvarnished description of his master and mistress as to his age and also the name of his master jacob's statement varied somewhat from the advertisement for instance jacob taylor was noticed on the record book as being twenty-three years of age and the name of his master was entered as william pollett but as jacob had never been allowed to learn to read he might have failed in giving a correct pronunciation of the name when asked what first prompted him to seek his freedom he replied oh my senses i always had it in my mind to leave but i was dubious dubious of starting I didn't know the way to come. I was afraid of being overtaken on the way. He fled from near Baltimore, where he left brothers and other relatives in chains. $20 Reward Ran away at the same time and in company with the above Negro man, a bright mulatto boy named Thomas Skinner, about 18 years old, 5 feet 8 inches high, and tolerable stout maid. He only has a term of years to serve. I will pay $20 reward if delivered to me or lodged in jail so I can get him again. George H. Carman Tosintown, Baltimore County, Maryland About the same time that this advertisement came to hand, a certain young aspirant for Canada was entered on the Underground Railroad book thus. Thomas Edward Skinner, a bright mulatto, age 18 years, well-formed, good-looking, and wide-awake, says that he fled from one G. H. Carmen, Esquire, head clerk of the county court. He bore voluntary testimony to Carmen in the following words. He was a very good man. He fed and clothed well and gave some money, too, occasionally. Yet Thomas had no idea of remaining in slavery under any circumstances. He hated everything like slavery, and as young as he was, he had already made five attempts to escape on this occasion with older and wiser heads he succeeded End of section 1